Welcome back to You're Better Than That, a podcast hosted by me, Hannah Miller, and joined by my friends. In today's episode of You're Better Than That, we thought we would talk about our recent launch of the podcast and use that as a conversation to really dig into what it feels like to do things that feel a bit vulnerable, a bit scary, um, and definitely have high stakes in terms of how other people might receive them and how we feel about ourselves. What does it feel like to launch something or to do something a bit outside our comfort zone? We've reflected loads on the process and we thought we would include you in that because maybe you're thinking about doing something tricky or difficult or new or frightening and we thought we would share with you that we felt all those things and reflect on what we've learned in the process. So as we get going though, let's start with um, the whole kind of why we did the podcast is a bit of a background and how that's, um, before we even launched it, some of the stuff that was going on beforehand. I think beforehand, when we were in the run up to thinking about it, it, it has been a long time in the coming, hasn't it? We've been talking about it for ages. I've had it on the dreams list for years, actually. And one of the things about actually doing it, I felt comfortable about was that I knew it was in kind of my area of strength it's communication so that was a a good thing and I guess that's the first thing to think about when you're doing something new is there something any kind of track record you can build upon to remind yourself that this is something you're good at so the actual concept of doing a podcast and, and talking about things that we're learning, talking about lessons from coaching, that was a really, really positive thought and also meant I could get rid of some of the other types of content that I don't really want to do and don't really like. So that was good. Where I felt uh, more nervous and worried was as we got closer to actually doing it, um, my areas of worry were about how it was going to be received. And we'll talk about yours in a minute and what you were worried about. But let's let's stick with this one for a minute. I had this whole feeling when it came to launch day, even though I was quite pleased with what we put together for our first go, I had this worry about how it was going to be received and this narrative in my head, which was, who do you think you are, which I've had that that feeling many times before. It's not a new one. And what are people going to think of me? And so this what are people thinking was a big, big deal for me, that the thoughts and views of other people. But we've even chatted about this, about how there's this narrative in our heads that says they are going to think this or they are going to laugh. They're going to think, who does she think she is? And who is they? Like, who is that group of people? (laughs) Who are these people? Because it sounds like I'm surrounded with not very nice people (laughs) and cruel friends and family who are laughing at me. Um, That's not who it is. So this is the ridiculous nature of the what are they thinking, is that if I really think about that, my family, uh, coaches, mentors, leaders around me, friends have all been wholly supportive, actually, around this. So it's not any of them. The people that I'm thinking about, what are they going to think? There's two groups of people. There are strangers on the internet that I'm worried about what they think, and I don't know why I'm even giving what they think a second thought. But then there's another group of people, and they are people that are kind of in my world, but maybe a bit more on the periphery, 
who might have opinion on me that don't know me so well and even maybe people who aren't in my life anymore so there are definitely people that I was thinking about who are like from year 11 um like friends from school or people that I'm talking about friends from school that I'm not friends with anymore or don't really see and I'm imagining them looking at what I'm doing and just thinking who on earth does Hannah Jennings think she is and um what a ridiculous thing for her to think she can have a podcast and it's so interesting because they are not thinking that no that well they're not thinking about me I mean let's be honest I highly doubt that anybody in that that group of people that I'm thinking of I doubt I'm in their thoughts ever or if ever really rarely and yet there's this weird thing that happens when we step out and do something new or brave that maybe we're thinking about people who've known us in previous seasons of our life Mm -hmm. and we're imagining what they're thinking from that point of time in history and it's almost cringeworthy for them to be looking at us in this different season. Mm. I mean, I'm a very different person. I'm 20 odd years older for a start. But it's some of these like previous iterations of me and the people who were in my life then who perhaps haven't grown with me and along my journey that I'm most worried about. Then there are also some individuals perhaps who are in your life, who you love or are close to you. And you know that their opinion really matters to you. Maybe there's somebody who's not so generous with praise. You know, there are some characters like that who love us, but they aren't so good at saying it. Uh, Friends, um, extended family members who might just find it tricky to give praise. And so we often want it from those people, don't we? It's that feeling of if that person just said it, then it would feel like I'd done well. So there was definitely this what are people thinking of me? So I guess the first thing to say is that if you're worried about what people think, so are most of us. (laughs) That's not a new feeling. I think the other thing for me was also, I just felt so vulnerable. I felt like, which is, I think maybe how it feels for anything that you let into the wild that you've worked on, anything that's important to you, whether that's anything you've created or any, and I use the word created very widely and, and, and loosely, it feels vulnerable and exposing. And I said to you, and I said to somebody the other night, I said, I felt like I'd pulled my pants down in public. You know, this idea of just being totally exposed, totally vulnerable. I've shared a little bit of my heart with you and you might not want it back or you might not like it. It must be how people feel whenever they write a song or they play something for the first time. And I can imagine you can relate to that because when you're not working with me, you do also dabble in some beautiful singing and songwriting. So it's that feeling of if I show you this, you might laugh at me uh, or it might not match up. And I definitely had that feeling. That's so real. I think for me, I um, we've chatted about this a bit, but I have competition in my top three strengths. And how I see that play out is competition against self. And so there's almost this expectation that things have to be at this unrealistic level of perfect for me to feel like I've won and I've succeeded. And actually, you've given me a lot of grace as we've launched this and as we're still learning to say, let's learn as we go. Like, I've never done this before. You've never done this before. Let's just do it, put it out there. And then we learn and we improve and get better. I think I have had this way of thinking that says get perfect before you put out and then you end up stifling yourself because perfect actually just doesn't exist and so that's a massive thing I've learned of 
and I think there's balance to it as well. Like you don't want to put something out there that's like a car crash. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no. Some of the uh, <laughs> some of our attempts today, we've had major tech oh, issues. We don't want to put those out totally. in the public space. But the balance of like, actually, have you worked hard? Is it okay? Can we put it out there? Like even the, the example of the sound quality. Like after recording all the previous episodes we put out, we realised the sounds are not great, but the content we really wanted to keep and so is that something that we can just push through for three episodes and then improve on you happy with that and so I mean personally I would have been like let's re-record the whole thing but then we would have missed out on so much gold that you shared and so that's a massive thing I've learned that was a big battle wasn't it I think there's loads in what you've just said I think if we go back a step um we often compete with we were looking at somebody, let, let's use the, literally the podcast example. You could look at somebody else's podcast that's on their hundredth episode mm-hmm. and we're comparing that with our first. And of course, we everyone wants to smash it first time. Mm-hmm. But the reality is for most of us, that's just not the case. It's not going to be that. And I was actually really proud of what we did. So for me, with my like um, <laughs> unprofessional eye, I was really proud of what we did. And I felt that it represented a lot of our values which mattered to me more than anything which is we want to be real we want to be authentic we are here for the everyday person Mm -hmm. who isn't doing everything perfectly and so if we want to model pushing hard against perfectionism and everything having to be just perfect Mm -hmm. then we've got to do that too and I think where you really helped me reminding me of Hannah this is going to be good you've got good things to say I was able to say to you what is the worst that can happen we it felt like a real decision actually around our values to say we're going to put these out there anyway which was not ideal we would have loved the sound to have been perfect from the get-go and people you know lovingly said to us we can't always hear the sound perfectly which we're like <laughs> we know we want the sound to be better but actually it felt important to say you learn as you go mm-hmm. and we're on our second batch now the sound is going to be better on these we know that and when we're doing our 100th episode, we're going to be a whole load further down the line than we are now. But I think the lesson for everybody in this is that we compare people's um, experienced version with our first one and think it should look the same. Mm, and that's, that's where we start to come come falling short. And I know for you, that was a big internal mm-hmm. kind of wrestle around that, that we, I hope you feel that that's helped you to grow and to let yeah, it go. Totally. I think as well, um, something you you said before we launched was what are our metrics like what does success look like and success to us didn't look like necessarily the most incredible like produced thing yet actually success looked like putting something out there because it's been something that's been on your heart for a long time going for it just getting started and so that metric we can look back and say you know what we did it we're so proud of ourselves and I think it's then adjusting those metrics as we go it would have been dangerous for us to say we want to be the top you know number one podcast that's success to us like we yes that is something that we can aim for but was it the the right metric for the space we were in no it wasn't and probably still isn't now, but we can adjust and grow and move along and 
that's what winning can look like it can look different that's right and it, and also to add to that i think as a, a, a wider principle around measures of success which i talk about ever such a lot and with myself which comes from a really good conversation with a friend of mine fraser a few years ago uh, where i was in a, a a growth situation where I was about to speak at a conference with some really well-known names. And he said to me, you've got to adjust your measures of success. Mm. And the measure of success for me on that day was, can I be authentically me? Can I be really well prepared and do my best? And can I show up and uh, share the the kind of content and wisdom or reflections that Mm. I've got and do the best I can? And that was in my control. If I started to say, I want people to think I'm as good as the other people who I was sharing the stage with that is not in my control to make happen if it happened then it's still not uh, it's not a very healthy metric and it's also not in my control so I guess when we went into doing this podcast the metric in our control was can we do something that uh, the people who are already engaging in our material can enjoy and therefore will the rest potentially follow mm-hmm. and if it does and if it doesn't can we be okay with that yeah. and does this feel like a good thing to do mm-hmm. And I was looking forward to today, our second recording day. And so therefore, we've had quite a tricky day. If we're honest, it's not been easy today in all kinds of ways, just tech and things, you know, being tricky. I was looking forward to it because I knew it was something that was in line with my values, my mm-hmm. purpose and my strengths. Mm-hmm. So that's a great measure to be to be able to use as a as a as a benchmark for going forward that's in my control. I think the other thing I'd say on your point of learning as we go I want to be brilliant too, you know, and nobody wants to go, yes, I'd love to fail. <laughs> there, there aren't many of us who are that comfortable with failure, if mm-hmm. we're honest, or mistakes, or other people's judgment, and we want to not do things really well. However, I don't want to live in a way that's just crippled by perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And again, this same friend Fraser, he used to say to me, just ship it, Hannah, just do it. Mm. Um, Done is better than perfect. And I remind myself of that over and over and over Mm. again. Done is better than perfect. Done doesn't mean shoddy. Done doesn't mean you don't care. But if you wait for perfect, you are actually, I don't know, squeezing the life out of something. You're Mm. squeezing the potential of creativity and just off the cuff comments. The more rehearsed I get, the less authentic I feel. Mm -hmm. And so there's a big lesson in that around, I would encourage anybody, if there's something you want to start, just start. It's so much better than waiting till you're going to be perfect at it. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I can give anyone that nudge, I think it's one of the biggest life lessons I've learned. Just Mm -hmm. do it anyway. Do it before you feel ready. Do it before you feel perfect. And um, I think the bigger point in all of this is, well, people aren't thinking about you as much as they think they are, as in any of us when I think what are people thinking they're just probably not thinking anything they're probably not that bothered about what I'm doing in my life and I think we think we're occupying other people's thoughts much more than we are so So if I think actually nobody's really paying that much attention or thinking that many thoughts about me in in an okay way Mm -hmm. maybe I can just get on with with doing the thing and and not worry about it too much I think I love that about you because although you felt fearful and nervous and lots of things about doing it what I love is that you didn't shrink back it could have been so easy for you to be like oh I'm just not going to do it I don't want to do it um but with all those internal emotions actually stepping out and doing that can you just speak to how you got yourself to that place because I think a lot of people will feel like 
I have things I want to do and start, but I just keep talking myself out of it. So it's one thing saying, like, do it. And then how do you get to that point? I think a really good question uh, that I ask myself is what is the worst that could happen? Mm -hmm. And I think I'd, I'd say that to everybody. What is the worst that could happen? Of all the things that we think about doing, they're often nowhere near as big a thing as we think. Mm -hmm. And the actual fallout is probably so much bigger in our head than in reality mm -hmm. and I think if we think about the worst that could happen is that nobody listened to the podcast at all zero yeah. people that is the worst that could happen or that a collective number of people laughed at me and shared it publicly and, and said nasty things in the grand scheme of really difficult things that I faced in my life that falls very very low actually and also the other part of what's the worst that could happen is how likely is it that that will happen mm. uh, actually we catastrophize often and yeah. it's maybe not going to be anywhere near as um likely to happen and then you ask yourself well if the worst does happen can I handle it mm -hmm. and I think if you can go through that process you just go with it anyway and I suppose the other piece of advice of advice alongside that is just find people that will encourage you mm -hmm. we are an encouraging little group with each other and I'm so grateful for that but there are other people there are business leaders I've worked with who are really in my corner and mm -hmm. I know will say Hannah do it go for it and and they're very generous with their there's room for you you I do what I do and, and you do what you do and mm -hmm. and I think that's the other thing I would really very much say when I posted the first reel on on actually on LinkedIn uh, to say this is the new podcast it's funny because I wasn't really thinking that the audience that I have there would be that interested in what I'm doing and yet we've had some really positive feedback haven't we mm -hmm. from those people and I wrote in the the, um, the the caption around feeling a bit nervous and vulnerable about sharing it. And I've written this down here because I thought it was so good. I said it felt scary. And somebody said it's scary and it's normal. You can't be courageous without fear. Fear means it matters. Mm. And I thought that was really good that if we don't feel anything, if we don't feel a little bit nervous or a little bit scared, it probably doesn't matter enough. And actually there's something about that that sharpens our focus. I used to play the flute and the piano to quite a high standard. And I remember being in my grade eight flute exam and I was really, I, I'm actually, yeah, I was nervous. I wasn't very well and I could feel myself. I had a bit of a temperature, I had tonsillitis. I'm slightly off topic here, but it's a good example. I remember it really clearly. It was a long time ago. And I went in, I could feel the nerves because this really mattered to me. I wanted to do really well. And I could also feel that like my flute was on my chin and it was, you know, if you're a flute player, you, you know, it gets a bit slidey on your chin when you're nervous. And yet what you have to do with that is to channel that nerves into I'm going to just bring the best that I can. And you have to learn to control it in that situation. And my mum used to always encourage me that when I was in those situations that I needed to imagine that the people who cared about me the most were in the room and that they were there and they were cheering me on and I was playing for them. And it used to change the way I felt in those high stakes moments. So if we can transfer that thinking and think, okay, when I'm doing something that feels challenging or feels difficult, what are the people that care about me most doing? And can I imagine I'm doing it for them and with them? And that's definitely been a way that I've handled some of that feeling of vulnerability. I think something else that we really recognised Zoe, when we were doing the podcast was that we really needed help and that it's okay to ask for help when you're doing something that's difficult and you haven't done it before how did you feel about asking for help um I found that hard 
but I have a friend who said to me, it'll take you three times the amount of time to figure out how to do something if you just don't ask for help. And most of the time, people are just happy to help. Like, if someone asks me for help, I don't think, oh gosh, I don't want them to ask me. Like, it's, we want to be nice to people and we want to be kind. And think. I think I'm grateful for the people who have just been like, absolutely call me whenever, FaceTime me, we'll figure it out together. And having a good community of people who want to help each other. Um, yeah. And I think you help people and they are then going to help you back. And it's just that reciprocity of, it's not like you've never helped anybody with something that they've not done before. But I think there's also this bigger thing that sometimes we feel we should be able to do it on our own. And if we ask for help, it's another sign that we're not ready and we're not good enough. Um, And one of the types of imposter syndrome that people can feel sometimes is this idea of a soloist. And that means if I can't do it alone or if I can't do it perfect first time, of which we've spoken about both of those, it means I shouldn't really be doing it and when we stop and engage with that we realize it's a really rational thought to have it's just not it's not sensible and we wouldn't use that yardstick with anybody else that we care about we would say well of course you need help how does anyone learn how to do anything if nobody helps them and yet again we think we should know and how can you know until you know (laughs) can you know to do something until someone's taught you and until someone's shown you so I think I think we learned that it was vulnerable and exposing I think we learned that sometimes things can be harder than you think they're going to be. And that's the truth and reality. We learned that it's better to get something done than for it to be perfect. How does it, how does it include others if we're just being perfect all the time and, you know, making everything amazing? And I think we learned we needed help. I think the other thing is, um, I think we've kind of said this already, but you have to go before you're completely ready. I think even if you are trying to be perfect, perfect doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so you have to go before you feel ready. Um, Second guessing and triple guessing and quadruple guessing often mean that the ship has sailed um, and it's too late. So... Any decision in life that's worth anything involves going before you're ready, right? And matters of the heart. Whoever said they were definitely ready to be a parent or definitely ready to get married or uh, definitely ready for the promotion in their life, any of those kind of moments of life, you're not definitely ready. You kind of get a little bit nearer and you, you go before you're ready and you jolly well learn on the job. And most of us are winging it anyway and doing our very, very best. So... If you were, so I'll ask you and then you can kind of ask me, if somebody was going to come to you with a big new project of some kind that they felt a little bit nervous about, what have you learned in this that you would want to say, this is what I learned and and try and incorporate this with your launching, whatever it is they're launching? I think it's the thing about asking for help that you mentioned of it's okay to ask people who have gone ahead and have done it for longer than you and get advice and learn and ask questions Um, that has been game changing for me I didn't start off that way I started off by trailing the internet looking up what gear do we need and actually we had photographer friends who were like get this camera people who have done a podcast who have said I can recommend these three these three microphones people recommending software like it made me so much more efficient in what I was doing by asking for help Well, you may be playing to other people's strengths. Then. Playing to other people's strengths. But I think I think there's a balance as well of like not being lazy and not just expecting everyone to do things for me, which 
I don't feel like I've done that. But um, having that same drive, but bringing things to the table and partnering with people's experience as well. Um, that's what I would say of like, learn, ask questions, but be proactive about it. That's what I would say. What would you say? I think for me, it's remembering that for every worry or um, concern you have about what people might be thinking or how this might not work out, there are there are just as many reasons to do something as well. And you have to decide what you're going to listen to and what kind of a life you're going to lead and what kind of a, a life you're going to live. And I think coupled with that, I'd encourage anyone when they're doing something new or scary or difficult to decide how they're going to measure success mm -hmm. and to find ways of doing it that are in their control of doing so. I think there's one last thing I, I want to kind of say, which I'd forgotten about as well. I remember somebody said to me in a text message, do you feel better now it's birthed? And I thought that was a really good way of putting it, that there's like a anything that's new, it's a bit like a birthing process. And that's painful and difficult and unknown and full of curveballs that you might not expect. But once something's birthed, you're in it then. And you're just kind of getting on with the job in hand and continuing to learn as you go. But that precipice moment of not yet here and birthing, um, I thought was a really good way of thinking about it. So if you're in that in-between ground, you're just, you're in that transition moment, it will be so much better when it's birthed. And you're out the other side, you go, phew, oh, nobody really was bothered anyway. <laughs> on that note, I think we can say goodbye for today.